VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GainBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GainBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today at GainBridge.io. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Is the Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be. Thanks so much. I'm Doug Gottlieb, in for Colin. Radio only. They don't let this put them on TV. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. That means, as Colin tells you, when he go radio only, things get crazy. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get to some of the latest with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe some of the latest with Lamar Jackson. Antonio Daniels will join us. As the stretch run of the NBA season begins tonight, the new look Lakers, part of LeBron's 23 most important games of his career. That's that's what LeBron said. That's not us saying it. Uh, we'll get to all that. Plus, um, we'll continue to cover this. What I think is a fascinating story in college sports and college basketball. So let, let's start there. Okay, and you know I I understand what happens. When, you know, you get closer to March and I guest host for people and I've covered college basketball and covered the final four and work for Westwood one and all that that's all oh, you're talking about college basketball because that's your like, no, dude, I daily do the Doug Gottlieb show, which follows Colin's show on many of these Fox Sports radio affiliates in the iHeartRadio app. And generally it's football, 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 maybe spring football and some NBA hoops. But in this story, which. This kid named Brandon Miller. And I think most people now finally know his name. Brandon Miller is the number one NBA prospect in college basketball. Like, wait, why do you have to contextualize it that way? Well, it's important, you know, because you have the overtime elite, which is uh, you have you have overtime, which is, um, you know, overtime has been this digital property making a ton of money and now they have their own like league, almost like a prep school league where kids get paid and all they do is hoop all day and they continue their education as well. They have uh, they have a, a, a pair of twins or not a pair of tw- like they have twins, Thompson twins, one of which will, 
one of whom will likely be a top five pick. There's the G League Ignite. They have a kid, Scoot Henderson, who will be probably the number two pick. And then there's Victor, who's now we're told seven foot five from France, who's going to be the number one overall pick. So college basketball takes kind of a back seat. Then there's a player named Brandon Miller, who's only a freshman, having a great year in Alabama, shockingly, is the number one team in the country. And a story that came out that, I mean, something that happened a little over a month ago was um, one of the Alabama players who was injured, Darius Miles, was charged with capital murder in a shooting just off the campus in the strip, strips where all the, the tusks and all the big bars are. There was a shooting late at night. So he had been removed from the team. The team had by the school had by all accounts handled everything as well as could possibly be handled, supporting his family while still supporting the family of the victim and completely erasing any sort of existence from the team's website, activities, whatever. Really had done a quality job handling. So the preliminary trial started this week and we found out that the handgun, which belonged to the now former player, Darius Miles, had been given to him or given back to him. Again, this is from the the actual testimony of a detective by Brandon Miller, the school's best player. So, of course, people lost their mind. And then Nate Oates, who's the head coach of Alabama, said basically like, hey, look, it's it's wrong place, wrong time. You know, we can't control everything college kids do. He then later, and this is going back two days ago, came out with a statement after that press conference, like I had poor choice of words. We're trying to be sensitive here. But it's the Brandon had done nothing wrong, had been charged with nothing, and is a full-fledged member of the team. Now, you have many people in my position like, well, you got to take him off the floor. How could they do this? How could he be a part of it? it he can never, uh, Clay Travis said, Nate Oates will never coach another game. Brandon Miller would never play another game. Well, the details have, have started to come out. And what I said two days ago holds true today. And two days ago, it was a more of a guess knowing how these processes work, having done this for over 20 years, that, hey, Nate Oates isn't playing Brandon Miller because he just wants to win games and he doesn't care about all this other stuff. Like, that's not the way it works when you work for the University of Alabama, right? A land-grant institution with, you know, b uh, over a billion dollars in their... Um, uh, in their in their endowment, you know, an incredible institution, not just of of athletic glory, but of higher learning. Like you're not just going and playing a guy because you got to play a guy because you want to win some games. And it turns out to be true that he, in order to play Brandon Miller, the AD, the president, everybody has to sign off on it. In order for them to sign off on it, they have to know unequivocally he had nothing to do with it. So Miller's attorney came out yesterday and they didn't have to, but they released kind of a statement showing like, look, Brendan Miller was drove a car, you know, went to dinner after a game. Darius Miles wanted to ride to a club. He took him to the club. The line was too long. He didn't want to wait in the line. 
it still doesn't say whether he knew that that Miller had left a firearm in the back of his car, but it left a firearm in the back of his car, likely, you know, covered up by some sort of clothing. Went and went about his business, was at home, got a text message. Hey, dude, you got to bring my 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 joint back, meaning I guess that's my gun. He comes back, drops somebody off, brings him back the gun, never actually alleged to have touched the gun. They go into the back of the car, they get the... And then he's sitting in a, he's sitting on the street when all of a sudden shots ring out and he was actually part of the shooting and not part of the shooting having. So the context does matter. Does matter. Uh, the attorney also said he doesn't own a gun, has never owned a gun, not comfortable in gun culture. Th- this strikes me as, as believable, but as Jason Stewart is my esteemed producer, and he's been doing this a long time, said as well, this basically comes down to do you believe that Brandon Miller's a good person or somehow involved in this crime or involved in, hey, here's the gun. And now look, they're supported by video evidence where he had no part in it, didn't touch the gun, wasn't sitting there when the shots rang out and pointing at the victim and like none of it. So I actually think that you don't have to look inside his head, look inside his heart, but you can point to all of the other things and the text messages and the fact that they're ours. But, but this, this is the point I want to get to that's most important. Do you remember, do you remember when Des Bryant, okay, when Des Bryant, when it was, it leaked out that Jeff Ireland, who is then the general manager of the Miami Dolphins, was alleged to have asked inappropriate questions to Des Bryant during an interview in the pre-draft process. Anybody remember that? Because what came out was Jeff Ireland asked Des Bryant if his mom was a prostitute. And you're sitting there going like, what? Who asked the man if his mom is a woman of the night? Like, who does that? But that's where context matters, right? The conversation, which later came out, was supposedly something like this, where he asked his, he asked his, he asked, Jeff Ireland asked Des Bryant, what's your dad do? Answer, my dad's a pimp. What's your mom do? My mom works for my dad. Follow-up question. Is your mom a prostitute? Right? That's a reasonable line of questioning when when you're trying to break bread with a young player, when you're trying to get to know him and he sits on your couch and he's at your facility and you're trying to figure out if you draft him. Hey man, what's your dad do for a living? My dad's a pimp. Okay, okay. What's your mom do? My mom works for my dad. Okay, I got to ask here, right? Maybe you don't have to ask. That's where context matters. If the allegations or the video showed that Brandon Miller grabbed the gun, (coughs) hands it to Darius Miles, Darius Miles hands it to this this other character who ends up shooting up the car and they're all sitting there and it's like uh, uh, Karate Kid. You know that other kid in Karate Kid that's like, yeah, give the put in the body bag, right? If that's you, well, then you're never going to play sports ever again in your life. But if somebody leaves something in your car and they'd say, hey, man, come back, come back over here, bring that, bring that over to me. You bring it over, they grab it. Like, again, if you're not a gun guy, you don't think in any way, like, why would anybody shoot up a car? Like, why would why would you do that? Who does that? 
thinking, look inside your own heart. Can you, do you have that in you? Of course not. Of course not. You don't have that in you. Okay, now the next part of the story is, so Brandon Miller played last night, which, uh, as I said on my show, as I've said on uh, the college basketball show I do on Stadium, Alabama signed off on all of this stuff. They had all of this information previously. So if they would have held out Brandon Miller yesterday, they would have said that everything we did and investigated and cleared him of previously, well, turns out it wasn't good enough because of social media pressure. They played him. Oh, he had 41 points. And the game winner. Um, Nate Oates, his head coach, was asked how Miller's situation affected the team. Here's his answer. It's hard to say. We've been in... You know, the Vanderbilt game came after that, and it, it it may have been. I mean, if I want to make an excuse for him, we can use it, but I'm not really a guy that makes too many excuses. we got to play better. Some of those other guys didn't play up to their typical performance, so I'm not, I'm not sure. It, it obviously could have been a distraction, but, you know, Brandon showed up, played pretty well. So I, I think, you know, it may have just been – coincidental I don't know we'll, we'll hopefully we play a lot better Saturday we need everybody to play a little bit better Saturday for us uh, South Carolina's not a great team but I mean I don't know you look at it honestly you're a 19 year old kid and suddenly the world thinks you're involved in a murder that you by all accounts had not, no knowledge was going to occur had nothing to do with right you're you already have to carry a substantial amount of guilt right that's if you're a normal thoughtful human being which my interaction with Brandon Miller and everybody else's is they, that's who he is. And when I'm sure you're every your people are yelling and snickering and looking at you side-eyed, you go out and drop 41 on the road and the game winner. Uh, that's incredibly impressive stuff. You ask me, what are your thoughts at Gottlieb show, Twitter, Instagram, however you want to communicate. I also have the Doug Gottlieb show fan page on, on Facebook. You're sitting in for Colin. All right, coming up next. Aaron Rodgers has reportedly completed his darkness retreat. So what next? What next? We'll discuss in The Herd. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip. Who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before 
tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The second season of El Flow is here. Available como a ti te guste, in both English and Spanish. This season, we dive deeper into the vibrant world of reggaeton, featuring interviews with both reggaeton legends and exciting new talents. He's the undisputed king of reggaeton, no doubt. And he's been cited as an inspiration by multiple Latin stars, including J Balvin, Bad Bunny, Osuna, Ati Natasha. Explore the evolution of this dynamic genre and what makes it resonate globally how you consume reggaeton, how you share and distribute reggaeton. Those are all an important part of the story. It's the way that the people are experiencing reggaeton along with the musicians. Listen to El Flow as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doug Alleyman for Collins, I heard Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio app. There are so many things that are like little stories to get to. Um, we can't diminish the importance this time of year of what it does for next year's football season, right? Um, the owner of the darkness retreat, right? The owner of the darkness retreat has said that Aaron Rodgers has left his darkness retreat. So now we get to the business of Aaron Rodgers making some sort of decision. Sam Munson joins us here. In the Herd on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, Pro Football Focus's lead NFL analyst. And Sam, help me out, right? Um, on one hand, you have uh, Bob McGinn, who'd covered the Packers for 30 years, saying, like, I think they're done with him. And then Jeff Darlington, who works for ESPN yesterday, says, hey, I talked to really important people, and he's coming back. Does anybody have any real sense for what Aaron Rodgers is going to decide coming out of this darkness retreat? Well, first, can we just take a beat and, and think that this is what the world is in 2023? <laughs> We're analyzing what Aaron Rodgers is deciding in the middle of a dark cave in four days of, of rest and recuperation. The world is, is crazy. But I think the reality is nobody knows. Like, I don't think that... I think what we're seeing is all these different reports are just a reflection of guesswork on various people's behalf. And, and really, we are all waiting for Aaron Rodgers to actually declare to somebody what he thinks he's going to do at the end of all this. Okay, what about in terms of what you guys do at Pro Football Focus? How big a decline was it last year in his performance? It was a big decline. Um, his PFF grading... Mark dropped by 20 points, something like that. But it's the kind of decline we've seen from him before in similar circumstances. We kind of predicted something like this heading into the season, which is the last time he had a wide receiver room this bad was 2015, I think, when Jordy Nelson went down uh, before the season. They didn't really have a chance to find another alternative, and they had just this wide receiver room that really didn't have anybody capable of making the kind of plays he's been accustomed to. So his PFF grade went from 90-plus, that kind of elite range, either side of that year, and it dropped into the mid-70s that season when he didn't have that number one wide receiver. 
So I think that's kind of what we expected it to be like this year, that if you don't have any kind of high-end receiver, and I know Christian Watson came on late in the year and made some plays, but without that true number one guy, you're not going to get that, that MVP caliber Rodgers that we know is still in there. Okay, um, Lamar Jackson, another guy in the news. And one of the things that's interesting about Lamar is um, he won the MVP and people want to just kind of stick on, well, he won the MVP. He did. But in the seasons since, uh, again, and I'm not talking the advanced metrics that you guys break down, but in the basic metrics and the old school stats hasn't been nearly as good. Now, two years ago, they had so many injuries, like you couldn't even list them. Right. I mean, everyone in their backfield, but you know, like, look, he's there. He's always been their best running back and he only played 10 games in both the past two seasons. That's missing 14 games. And again, the raw production hasn't been as good. Okay. Obviously Baltimore or whomever wants him to be a quarterback, but in terms of elite level quarterback play, how did he actually play last season when healthy? I think last season was the closest we've seen to that MVP year in terms of his ability passing the football. Obviously, we know what he is as a runner. It's special. It's pretty much maintained that incredible level every single year. But that MVP season was by far the best passing season we've seen from him. And generally speaking, his big plays, the kind of exciting, highly graded throws, those have stayed fairly constant in his career. Where it's fluctuated has been the mistakes and the really bad plays and the kind of what we call turnover-worthy plays. So we grade plays like dropped interceptions that should have been interceptions even if they didn't actually end up being caught by the defender in question. Last year was the lowest number of turnover-worthy plays that he's had since that MVP season, and I think it was his best passing performance since that year. Uh, I'm interested in Derek Carr. Uh, the Jets reportedly told Derek Carr, hey man, come play for the Jets. You'll be a Hall of Famer. Uh, there was a lot wrong with the Raiders this year. Heck, there was a lot wrong with the Raiders last year. You go back to two years ago, to the playoff year two years ago, He was his leadership was, was obvious considering all the other things going on. Coaching change, arrest of a star wide receiver of, of Henry Ruggs, etc. Um, where do you guys... Where do you guys view Derek Carr in terms of uh, the landscape of, of quarterbacks in the National Football League? I think he's a good starting quarterback. The problem that he has and that maybe the Jets are facing right now is that good might not get you anywhere anymore. And there's basically nothing in his career to suggest that he is a Hall of Fame quarterback or the, the, whatever it is they're selling him in this visit to try and get him over here. The league has changed, and if you don't have an elite quarterback right now, you better have a guy on a rookie contract earning not much money so that you can offset the difference that right. that is going to make. Derek Carr, he, he need, he's middle, going, he's he's the middle class, right? He, he's absolutely, the, yeah, he's, he's the middle, middle class. class. Like he's not he's not Mahomes, okay? He's not any of these super league guys. He's good, but like, okay, would you do you spend thirty five million? on a guy when if you have a rookie on a rookie deal, you can use that 35 million to, to fill out your roster. Exactly. And he's earning that kind of money. And then is going to have to go toe to toe with those guys, not just within the division against Josh Allen, if he goes to the jets, 
But in the AFC, in the playoffs, he's going to have to knock off a sequence of Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes. You're going to need to beat three or four of those guys in a row. And it just seems very, very hard to imagine Derek Carr putting that kind of run together. I agree with you. Um, any idea, like, what, what's the actual data say about Sean Payton and his quarterbacks, right? I, I know that, that Breeze aged his last couple years in New Orleans. Okay? Got it. Okay? And maybe there's some of that with Russell. Maybe he was carrying too much weight. Maybe it was the system. Maybe it was the change. Maybe it was a lot of things. But I, most people believe, like, hey, if there's one guy who can fix one guy who can fix Russell Wilson, it's got to be Sean Payton. How good were, were Sean Payton's offense, most specifically quarterback play, the last couple of years in New Orleans? Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously people tie him to Drew Brees and say, try and diminish Sean Payton sometimes by saying, look, any, quarter, any coach with Drew Brees as their quarterback would look great. And it's probably true. But his resume before Drew Brees was outstanding. Like, the reason he got the Saints job in the first place, he had done really good work in multiple different places with some quarterbacks that were not Hall of Fame caliber Drew Brees type players. Um, and his record with non-Drew Brees quarterbacks in New Orleans is outstanding as well. Maybe not in terms of production, the, the kind of numbers they put out relative to Brees, but he won games with guys that were not great quarterbacks. I think his track record is a, is a very good one in terms of building an offense, in terms of doing what works. And I would have as much confidence in Sean Payton fixing Russell Wilson as anybody. The question, though, still remains, is that possible now? I, I, I don't know, right? It's like, it's like one of those, once it goes, it goes, doesn't it? I, I just, it's really, it's going to be very hard to tell what the reasonable expectations are for the Broncos and more specifically for, for Russell Wilson. Um, the, I think the big question in this year's upcoming NFL draft is Bryce Young, right? And Bryce Young is one of these guys that if you watch him play, and heck, I've seen him play in high school, watch him play in college. Like he just makes plays. There's, there's zero negatives with the exception of, well, the one glaring tangible in that he's not just small in stature. He's not a big human being, right? Like he's not, he's not built. Even Russell's kind of built low and wide and, you know, like with thicker, long arms, big hands, like Bryce Young's like 170 pounds, 175 pounds. Is there a, what is the truth about smaller quarterbacks and their, their level of production? Well, the first thing is, so there's a bunch of reasons teams are scared of small quarterbacks. Um, number one is they think they're going to get hurt more often than bigger quarterbacks. The data actually says the opposite. It says big quarterbacks get hurt more often than small, quarterback, mm -hmm. small quarterbacks because it's not about your size. It's about how you play the game and what kind of hits you expose yourself to. So you can be a small quarterback, and if you're smart about it, if you avoid hits, if you get rid of the football, if you don't expose yourself to those shots, you're probably not going to get injured as much as other guys that do put themselves in harm's way. Um, the second reason teams are scared of it is there is an issue with those guys seeing the middle of the field. You know, if you're 5'11", if you're 5'10", you just don't have the kind of view of the middle of the field 20 yards downfield that guys are six foot six do. It's, it's obvious, right? You're never going to have that kind of ability. So you need, to be some, you need to be good at something else that lets you offset that. And for Russell Wilson, for years, 
he was able to run around behind the line of scrimmage, open up new throwing lanes, new sort of vision windows, and make big plays down the field, and he was arguably the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. Um, but the big point about Bryce Young is he's extreme, even by the, the standard of small quarterbacks. Like you said, Russell Wilson probably outweighs him by 40 pounds, something like that. Bryce Young is going to be the smallest quarterback that has come along since offensive linemen weighed like 230 pounds in the 60s. Like he is, he's unprecedented small. But if he wasn't, if we were talking about a guy that was 6'2", 210 pounds, he would be easily the best quarterback in this draft class. And I think we'd probably be talking about him as a generational talent. But he's not, and so it's right. it's really it's a it's a hard call. Like he'll obviously naturally add some weight, but will it be enough weight to truly, truly make it truly make a difference? Um, going to yeah. be going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, he really makes you appreciate just how big NFL quarterbacks are generally. You know, when you see, I mean, he's a normal sized guy, Bryce Young. I'm I'm five eleven, one eighty, and I'm a little bit bigger and a little bit taller than he is, but. NFL quarterbacks are 6'4", 220 pounds. Like, it's a different world. Completely different world. Sam, great stuff. Everybody at Pro Football Focus, keep up with the good work. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. That's Sam Munson, pre, uh, Pro Football Focus's lead NFL analyst, getting ready for the draft. And obviously what, you know, like, like NFL free agency has been a bonanza the past couple of years. No reason to think this year will be any different. Let's get to Herdline News with Jason Stewart. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. What do you got, Jay Stu? Well, hello, Doug. Um, Eric Bieniemy. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, the new offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders was introduced to the media today, um, and he talked about it not being fair to talk about the head coaching possibilities as he has a job to do. Right now, I'm the, the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Okay, being a head coach, that's something, if that's to happen, it'll take care of itself. We've had a great deal of success. We've, we've won, what, five straight AFC championship games, three out of four Super Bowls, two out of those we won. So being a head coach right now, it hasn't happened. It's not anything that's going to impact me moving forward because the only thing I need to concern, be concerned with is what's important today. Today, I got to be the best person that I can be. I got to be the best coach that I can be. And on top of that, I got to get these guys in this building to learn to trust me, to get to know me, but also understanding what the term accountability means. I have to be accountable to these men. All right, so all that stuff about being a head coach, we could talk about that next year sometime. Right now, I'm focused on the job at hand. What do you think, Doug? I think uh, having having watched most all the press conferences exactly – as Eric Bieniemy was sold to me, which is likable, you know, wants to hold dudes accountable, says the right things, not a ton of details into the actual plan of attack, but now you get a chance to see. Now it's completely his baby, um, and and we'll see. Um, I don't know. Not, not, my my opinion didn't change because. My opinion was based has always been based upon the thoughts of others, and nothing was said or done to change that. If that makes any sense, yeah. And more for more of Doug's opinion, I encourage you to go to the iHeartRadio app and download an episode of the Dan Patrick Show on I think Tuesday with with Rob Parker. Uh, Doug will make his points clear in many ways. 
Um, moving on, I don't know if you saw this, Doug, but Caleb Williams uh, did an interview recently. Now, Caleb Williams is a USC quarterback who isn't even eligible for the draft until next year. But he uh, actually said that the Miami Dolphins would probably be his number one spot. Now, that's interesting onto itself, but making it more interesting, Tyreek Hill liked a story of Caleb Williams saying that the Dolphins would likely be his number one spot. Um, Doesn't uh, Tyreek Hill have a quarterback here, Doug? Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those, this is who Tyreek Hill is, though. But, yeah, man, I mean, the 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 blind loyalty to Tua Tungavailoa just, I guess, disappeared. Um, but, but you know what a lot of it is? Do you know how to take a compliment? I'm asking you a question, Jay. Oh, you know that's a question? A, I thought it was rhetorical. Yeah. Do no, I know I, how to take one? Do you know how to take a compliment? Uh, probably not as well, not as gracefully as I should. I think everyone I th- could I think that's on a that. bi- that's a big thing for a lot of people is they just struggle with compliments. Right? Like, uh, th- where, where, like you want to say thank you, but you want to actually mean something more, and so you kind of try to put together a, a smorgasbord of words and it doesn't really work out. I, I think part of this is, Tyreek Hill, it's just a compliment. Like Caleb Williams saying, like, man, I'd love to play with those dudes. They're so like, who would love to play with with Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill just makes you look better because you throw him a, you know, you throw him a slant and he goes to the house. You, you, you know, you a jet sweep can go to the house. Any sort of ball you put up to him, he can just go get. He can win, literally can win you a game on his own. I went to that Charger Dolphins game, and if you remember the game, okay. At halftime, I don't think the uh, the Dolphins had not been on the Chargers' side of the field. Okay? They had had zero successful dro- drives, per se. But they had a fumble that Tyreek Hill picked up and ran to the house. And I think they had one other catch and run to the house. It was like 70, 80 yards. Like, the, the disparity in the quarterback play between uh, Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavailoa was so stark. One guy looked like a JV quarterback. The other guy looked like a superstar, and yet the score was not indicative. Why? Because of Tyreek Hill. So I, I think a lot of this is Caleb Williams just giving a compliment, be like, man, I'd love to play with those guys, and Tyreek Hill not knowing what to do with himself. Guys just don't know how to handle compliments. So that's what I think it's more about. That Dolphin Chargers game, by the way, will f- forever be known as the game where Emmanuel Acho saw in person that he was wrong about Tua for the rest of the season anyways, as he says. Um, and by the way, learning how to take a compliment is one of those social graces that's very underrated. And I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. Yeah. Um, so so what, what's your what's your go-to when somebody gives you a compliment? If I say, Jason, uh, when you were on Blind Date, and by the way, if you guys ever, you want to have some fun during a break, Google Jason, uh, Google uh, Jason Stewart, Blind Date, and... Uh, it was outstanding. I mean, it was super entertaining. Okay, so what's, <laughs> what you. is your go-to? If somebody it. goes, Jason, let me tell you, on Blind Date, you were hilarious. You should be in movies. You should do stand-up comedy. You were incredible. What's your... When somebody you don't know, and they just throw out... Somebody you respect says, Paul, Paul, um, Paul Rudd gives you that compliment. What do you say? I say thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know if I, I agree with all that, but thank you, Paul. Um, 
and I loved you in Forty Year Old Virgin. Um, but as my as my I good hated friend in that movie, I hated that movie. As my good right. friend and uh, I still haven't been paid for that movie. Okay. <laughs> my good friend and radio icon Victor Brick Jacobs. His retort, I think, his response is the best. When someone compliments Vic, he says, "Flattery will get you everywhere." <laughs> Victor Brick, feeling you. I am feeling you. Um, last note. Russell Westbrook was introduced to the media yesterday as a member of the Clippers, and this is how he sees himself fitting in. For me, it's just finding my way to be able to help other guys is something I truly embrace, and you know that's what I will do, make sure I can make the game easy for all these guys that are here, find out their spots, what they like, what they don't like, um, and that's going to be a process for me, but um, I'm ready for the challenge and looking forward to it. And head coach uh, Ty Lu added later that he just wants Russ to be Russ. The old cliche, Russ to be Russ. How do you think this works out there, Doug? Not well. It doesn't. I I get that on paper it all makes sense. Ty Lu wanted to be the Lakers coach. They only offered him a three-year deal. He he walked, he balked at it, right? Now he's still employed with the Clippers, whereas the man who was hired instead, who won a championship, is not. I get it. Uh, Russell Westbrook was you know recruited by LeBron then LeBron I'm sure by his estimation turned his back on him right there's the energy of hey across the hall you know they don't like us yet we keep kicking their ass or whatever but the Clippers are put together to win a championship and I love the idea of a chip on your shoulder see I did Clippers chip shoulder anyway um but like what leads us to believe that this will work it didn't work in Houston it didn't work with the Lakers. Why would it work with the Clippers? And he's had no time to remake him, to make to have a makeover. Right? You had no time to gather your thought. Like, why did it not work? Why was my personality grading? You know, statistically, he was better this year than last year, yet they couldn't wait to get him out the door. Why is that? So, I mean, he still can't shoot. He's still not a great defender. He's used to playing with the ball in his hands. And it's just hard to find a spot with him unless you have four other really good shooters. And so it's lineup dependent. I don't know. I just, I like the Clippers, I, you know, they, but they, they traded off Reggie Jackson and John Wall for Russell Westbrook and Bones Highland. I think Bones Highland's a better scorer than Russell Westbrook at this point in his career. Russ just is going to, can you, can you play Russ five, 10 minutes a game and him be happy, be a positive influence on the team? I, I don't think that's the case. I don't see it working out great. And that's Jason Stewart with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Lie News. We have more details emerging from Baltimore and the end of the season and why Lamar Jackson didn't play. Cover those details and what it means for the future of the relationship between team and player. That's next. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is The Herd. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Paulie Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. Of course you know us as the host of the number one rated Paulie and Tony Fusco show. World renowned. We all know you're sick and tired of these stupid sports shows where the hosts say stupid things like Tom Brady's the GOAT. Or LeBron James is good at basketball, which he is clearly not. See, we give you smart takes. Yeah. And we also bring on so-called famous guests from across the sports world and show them why we know much more than they do. You're off the show! Are you serious? Listen to the Polly and Tony Fusco show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Buble's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the second season of a flow is here Available como a ti te guste, in both English and Spanish. This season, we dive deeper into the vibrant world of reggaeton, featuring interviews with both reggaeton legends and exciting new talents. He's the undisputed king of reggaeton, no doubt. And he's been cited as an inspiration by multiple Latin stars, including... J Balvin, Bad Bunny, Osuna, Anti Natasha. Explore the evolution of this dynamic genre and what makes it resonate globally. How you consume reggaeton, how you share and distribute reggaeton, those are all an important part of the story. It's the way that the people are experiencing reggaeton along with the musicians. Listen to El Flow as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doug Gottlieb in for Colin. It's The Herd on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. There's an article out, and uh, Jeremy Fowler uh, is the author of it, along with Jameson Hensley, who covers the Baltimore Ravens, on this past season and kind of the weird end to it where Lamar Jackson, and for people who haven't been aware, he's actually missed 10 of the last... 22 games, regular season and postseason games, the Ravens have played. Okay, so almost half of their last 22 games, he's he's missed. And there was times of frustration this year. There's obviously been some some social media moments where people have uh, supported him and he's liked their support or pushed back on them with the, you know, if you don't love Lamar Jackson at $250 million, you don't love Lamar. There's this classic disconnect, I think even some players, but definitely in the media and with fans, whereas this idea that the Ravens don't want to pay him, right? You either do or don't want to pay him. And again, this is a lot like what we talked about to start the show, talking about this, that context actually matters. Yeah, we want to pay him. Yeah, we want to be our quarterback. But 
we want to have reasonable cost certainty for the years in which he's our quarterback. We also got to protect ourselves. Like here's a dude who's played 10 games each of the past two years, missed 10 of the last uh, 22 games we played overall. And this is in the prime of his athletic career. One would think the older you get, the more you slow down, the more prone to injury you are. And the more you slow down, the more you can get hit, the more you can get a hit, the more you can get hurt. Right? And why are we comparing contracts to the Deshaun Watson contract, which is an outlier? Where the Ravens are just, they're handling as such. We're just comparing it to Russell Wilson's contract, to Kyler Murray's contract, and how much better a contract it is. But there, there is a, a lot of, and the Ravens seem to have handled it perfectly in the media. And the reason that Lamar's injury was tweeted out by Lamar is, well, if you don't have an agent, that's part of what agents do. They leak things to the Schefters of the world so that, so that people know your side. It, it's just weird when it comes from you. It's like LeBron calling himself the greatest player ever doesn't mean that he doesn't think it's true if he doesn't say it, but it's something that other people should say, not you. People I've talked to in the NFL said this deal would have been done if he had an agent. If he had an agent. I, I think so much of it, so much of it is the trappings of, uh, of honestly, a social media and people saying like, hey, bet on yourself. Like, okay, not every time you bet on yourself does it actually work. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you're not actually a free agent. The idea of being able to move wherever you want to move and do whatever you want to do, like, that's not a reality. Some teams will will and have acquiesced is, you know, you don't, you don't want to do the franchise tag, you don't want to play here, we'll move you. But if you're a franchise quarterback, Ravens have are under, they do not, they absolutely do not have to negotiate anything, can hand you the franchise tag, then do it again next year. Heck, they can do it a third year if they want. Which ends up being about the same amount in guarantees, right? Because the third year is a transition tag. They, they do not have to. Now, it hurts them against the cap because it's dollar for dollar against the cap and hurts your ability to put a team around you. And there's no question they want to sign him, sign him to a long-term deal and put off some of the cap hit for later years. The cap continues to grow. But you have, you know, you have supporters of Lamar and sycophants in the media and in and, and in social media saying, hey, pay him. And the Ravens are sitting there going like, we want to pay him. We just don't want to equal up to a ridiculous contract. Think about your street you live on now. Okay. Let's say the street you live on now, every home is worth $400,000. Right, every home. And then at the end of the street, uh, there's this home that was bought for $900,000. And it's got a big yard. It's got a big lot. It's all redone or whatever. $900,000. And you know what usually happens. Somebody moves in from out of the market and they don't know the prices and they massively overpaid for the house. Right? Because they they moved in. They got a bunch of kids. They're trying to get a job first. They did let a relocation company do it. They just did it. So... The other houses on the street had started to become worth more, five hundred thousand or so, five fifty, but still that one was nine. So now the market sorts of starts to settle, and a house pops up on the market 
And a guy a couple doors down from the $900,000 house puts it on the market for $900,000. Hey, man, this is a comp. I should get the same amount. And it just sits there because the rest of the, there's a reason when you get comps, you get five comps, you don't get one. It doesn't allow for the outlier, high or low. That's what Lamar's dealing with. That's what he's dealing with. And, and the same, trying to sell a house without an agent. It seems easy, but sometimes you need a real estate. Sometimes you need a real agent to sit in there and have hard conversations and then soften the blow when they talk to you. Instead, you get the, hey, dude, we'd love to pay you, but we're not going to give you five years guaranteed. You've been hurt the past two years. And while there's nothing wrong with you, it's, it's not, we can't field the team around you if you're taking up this much of the pie. You know? Most of the players thought he would be back for the playoffs. He wasn't. He was supposedly sick. And then all of a sudden he comes up with the knee still injuring him. They didn't question it. But boy, it does look like if he had the contract, would he have played against the Bengals? And if he's playing against the Bengals, don't they beat the Bengals? All right. Aaron Rodgers has emerged. What's it mean? Where's he play or does he play? Give me my thoughts next in the herd. The second season of El Flow is here. Step into the ever-evolving world of reggaeton and get up close with both legendary figures and emerging talents in the industry. Part of the enormous significance of reggaeton is really the way in which personal narratives connect to larger things going on historically and socially. Listen to El Flow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 